0: Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST support feature.
1: Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Hi, welcome to the De Parent
0: Club Podcast, a community of like-minded young adults who are all grieving a similar loss. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with inspirational people from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. In this podcast, our guests will tell their own grief story, discussing how their losses have impacted their lives and the past they found themselves on. We laugh, we cry, but together we've come to realise that we are far from alone in our own grief journeys.
2: but I would tell myself like she only has a short amount of time left and then that's it. That's all the time she has. And there's this short amount of time where it's difficult to be strong and difficult to tolerate some of this behavior, but it matters to be strong right now and then can kind of fall to pieces later, you know, but all that matters is that you can do this right now. Um,
0: Hi everybody and I hope you're all having a lovely start to your week. Before I go ahead and introduce this week's amazing guest, I have a huge favour to ask all of you. If you guys find this podcast useful, I'd be so, so grateful if you would consider supporting its future by signing up to donate a monthly amount. From as little as £1, it can help me pay for the various services that keep it online. A lot of you know that I run it all of my free time alongside my job and I have funded the majority of it myself, but... This podcast literally wouldn't be here now and wouldn't be where it is today without the kind of donations that I've received in the past. And it would mean the world to me if you would could help me keep it going for as long as possible. Um, you can sign up from the link in my show notes. So it's called being a patron. Um, it literally is as little as one pound, it translates to $1 because it's an American service, but it would literally mean the world to me if you would consider helping me out to keep this going for as long as possible. So let's go into this week's guest. So Shannon joined me on the episode recently to tell her own grief story and how working as a cancer genetic counsellor has played a huge part in her journey so far. So her mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in June 2016, but she passed away at the beginning of this year, just as the pandemic hit. So you can imagine just how difficult that's been. In this episode, we discuss how interlinked her work life and her personal life were and are to this day and how she kind of had to find joy in her life, just because that obviously consumed so much of it. She also speaks about her relationship with her mum, and how difficult it was at times, due to her mum's struggles with her mental health. And in this episode, you'll hear her speak about how she had to put all of those feelings behind her, and how she found the strength to support her mum during those difficult years. And Shannon herself has said that she hopes this episode resonates with a few of you who may have also had difficult relationships relationships with your parents, but kind of had a different layer of grief to go through um after they passed so I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode as ever and I hope you all have a lovely week and stay safe see you next week first of all Shannon thank you so much for joining me today um to talk about your grief experience on the Dead Prank Club podcast I really
2: appreciate it of course happy to talk with you
0: um, if you wouldn't mind for our listeners, just introducing yourself, so your name, where you're from, kind of what you do for work and stuff, just so they can get to know you a little bit.
2: Sure. Um, my name is Shannon Detweiler. I am, oh, it feels very strange to say this, I'm going to turn 30 years old in like just a couple weeks here. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I work as a cancer genetic counselor. Um, and I... Uh, My mom was originally diagnosed with ovarian cancer in June, 2016, and she recently passed away in February of this year in
0: 2020. Yeah. Wow. So obviously I know you've already mentioned what you do for work and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought, you know, that would probably be a really good place to start with (laughs) kind of um, (laughs) when obviously your mom got diagnosed, you were already working in
2: that field. Am I right? Close. So, I mean, it is a good place to start because literally all of that started at exactly the same time. Um, so I went to the university of Michigan and at my graduation ceremony, my parents came to see me and, um, my, my mom actually didn't show up to the ceremony. It was just my dad. Um, and my mom, had been like very emotional the whole weekend, and like sometimes just really has a hard time handling big events like that. So mm. there was a part of me that like when I looked back and saw that just one parent was there, I was a little sad, but I was also like, well, if she's upset and she can't handle this, it's okay. And then yeah. afterward, when I was back in my parents' hotel room because they had come from Pennsylvania um, to Michigan where we were living, my mom was just like, like just not doing well, and she uh, do you um I don't know if this is just an American phrase do you know what the, fr- the term snake oil is? I've never heard of that before in my uh, life yes, I figured <laughs> it's basically like um like people that sell like fake supplements and and whatnot oh, okay um, people who are kind of So my mom had been like taking all these like snake oil pills basically um oh. and I thought that she was just like, taking all these like weird herbal supplements and stuff, and that she just needed to stop or that, you know, she had some sort of GI bug. And I had like two weeks before I was going to start my job. um, And I was working in Michigan um, for the, for Michigan medicine, the medical system affiliated with the university. Um, I took two weeks off before my job, went to go visit my mom and she like couldn't get out of bed the whole time, but it like wasn't clear she had a lot of problems with like depression and it it wasn't Mm. clear if she was just, you know, if this was a depression related thing. And then I started working um, in cancer genetics. And funnily enough, I had done this whole assignment my very last semester um, about how no one in my family had ever had cancer. Um, Gosh, (laughs) And I, I didn't really know what to expect from beginning a job. So I had done um, this thing called a designer rotation where Um, I went around and shadowed medical oncologists, like basically chemo doctors, radiation oncologists, surgeons to get an idea of what my patients would be going through because I had no idea. And then, you know, like three weeks into my job, my dad, my mom had been going to the doctor at this point. And my dad and mom called me and they were like, you know, like they think it's ovarian cancer. She's having surgery tomorrow. Oh, my Um, goodness. Yeah, so it was a real, real shock, and I I had been an intern for the clinic where I worked before I took the job there, so they, I wasn't brand, brand new to them, um, but it was the kind of thing where you really wanted to make a good impression as a new employee, mm. fresh out of school, so I tried to go to work, <laughs> um, and I came in the you're, door. You're and- like living and working, like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're like... <laughs> And I like came in the door and, and, one of my coworkers, um, who had been my, um, one of my supervisors when I was a student was how, said like, how are you? And I just kind of like, lost it (laughs) and started crying and she was like why are you here go home (laughs) it's gonna be okay it doesn't matter that you've only been here for a little bit it doesn't matter that you don't have any vacation time and she told me a story about how like one of her family members had essentially gotten sick in a similar way when she had started working decades ago and was just like go home we trust you we we know this is important um so there was there was never that much of a time where my work and personal life were separate, you know, it, it was always very linked. Um yeah. and I, I actually really loved my job at University of Michigan. Um, but after a year I ended up moving back to be with her. And I have wonderful coworkers in my current job now too. But it um it definitely like shaped the trajectory of my career in ways that I couldn't have imagined. And yeah, I bet. Career too for sure. But um that's yeah. kind of how things got started. Um,
0: so so what, yeah. what was the time between your mom being diagnosed to your mom passing awesome.
2: um it was about three and a half years and that um wow. most women with ovarian cancer um like 80 percent pass away within the first five years of their diagnosis yeah yeah it's, it's so hard to find and she um she was you know a, a typical case where it was found at stage three or stage four um so, but you know what she had, there, there were ups and downs the whole way. There were stretches where she was doing okay and stretches where she would be on really tough chemotherapy for a long time. And at one point yeah. she actually had an infection that went to her heart, um, oh. which was really, really rough, but um, she, she kept busy as much as she could. She had, um, she'd had her own hair salon for 40 years. Wow! Um, I know, and she cut hair up until like a few weeks before she passed away. I had actually renewed her um her cosmetology license for her, so her. Oh wow! Bless her. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was good until it wasn't good, right? And then yeah, her decline was very rapid. But yeah, um, she had a she had a a really good couple of years before that. It was very active. I called her every single day after work and there were a lot of times where I would call her and she would be like I'm out with friends I can't talk. <laughs> oh, that's I, amazing. I know. She had sometimes she had a more busy social life than I did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um like a lot of people say and like I've kind of had this as well because my mom was diagnosed like 2 years before she died. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people say, you know, having the time between diagnosis and them dying can make the grieving process easier. But like what do you think about that? Like how was your experience with that?
2: Just to kind of I, I had never really realized that or had something to compare that to until um there were a couple of people who reached out to me after she passed away, people who had been like acquaintances from college that are now like people that I consider close friends because they, they reached out and said like I had apparently passed away. No one knew what it was like. I don't want you to feel alone. Um, and there was actually um, a friend from college named Brandon who reached out to me and his dad had passed away very suddenly of um, a, a heart attack, essentially. Um, and I it, I had never really realized what a difference it was until I talked to him, um, where, you know, perhaps if you have a parent who passes away suddenly, it's maybe easier for them because they didn't have this period where they were in the hospital mm. and feeling sick but it's so hard for you because you didn't have a chance to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. It's a very different kind of grief. I think like
0: very similar, but very different all at the same time, like the kind of complexities behind it.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, one thing that I had mentioned in um, sending you the messages to coordinate this interview was that um, my mom really struggled throughout her lifetime with mental illness. And there was a period of time in college where we didn't speak for about four or four or five years. Um, and part of my incentive to really repair my relationship with her and to, um, behave in a way that was very mature and supportive of her came from the fact that I knew that our time was going to be short. Um, so it, it would have been better, of course, if, if I could have had that level of, um, like, compassion and empathy and maturity all along, but um, there was this moment a couple of days before she went into hospice where, like, it was becoming clear where, like, things are really getting close to the end, and we were talking on the phone, and I was, like, crying, and I I sort of said, like, mom, like, I'm so sorry for how I treated you in high school and in college, and she said, honey, I never think about it, Um, (laughs) and that really, like, made it worth it to know that even though sometimes she was very difficult to deal with that we had gotten all of this closure and
0: you know yeah yeah and how blessed you were to have that time to kind of work through your relationship
2: yeah yeah and I I can't imagine I would have I mean it's a little bit selfish I think to think about myself but if if she if she would have died like suddenly and it would have been during that period where we weren't talking like it's no matter what losing your parent at a young age is a struggle for the rest of your life but it would have been a lot different of a struggle mm. and I, I think um much more difficult because you can't get answers to any of the questions about like how did they feel about me did they forgive me you know um yeah I
0: yeah it's them? so <laughs> true yeah did you do I forgive them yeah I think another thing that we do is well oh, when somebody passes it we tend to romanticize them as a person quite a lot as well mm-hmm. um I've heard a lot of people say that they will always think about like they'll always tell people the amazing things about their parent rather than the kind of negative things and we kind of have this like clouded vision that this person was perfect don't we um yeah Whereas I think I, you know it's it's not always like that
2: <laughs> and I try to I, there are definitely moments where I like romanticize her and highlight the funny stories and things like that but I mm. I do want to speak honestly and I guess in a balanced way about the struggles that she had because by no means am I the only person who had a difficult parent Um, yeah I don't I, I always feel kind of bad when I bring that up right away about her because it wasn't the most important thing about her but it really colored the way that she interacted with people and the way that she thought about things and our relationship and it's maybe easier to talk about a parent who was mentally healthy but a little bit flawed Mm -hmm. in the way that every parent is flawed and Mm -hmm. I guess like I always just want to be honest that that was a struggle that she and I had and um there are some ways in which it's like kind of amusing like to look back and think about like the way that some of the things that she would like think or do and and how we would handle them together but uh, there were a lot of times where it was a struggle um yeah you know I it's If that's something that I can talk about, you know, uh, and it can be helpful for someone else, I I would appreciate that. I guess one thing that I really like about the podcast is that you can scroll through the episodes and whatever there's guaranteed to be like a dozen (laughs) or several things that match up to your situation that you can listen to. Yeah,
0: so true. (laughs) Like directly relatable. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so true. I think that's the amazing thing. Like, you know, I have... Anybody can come onto this podcast. Like I literally you know I kind of I send that those questions out but just that I know people are in kind of like a good space to speak about it and also to provide some like really valuable insight because you know at the end of the day like the podcast isn't um like it's not therapy you know like it's more kind of just share share like sharing people's stories and um it's so important to me that there is something positive that can be taken away from every single episode and I think you know like with an episode like this there are there will be so many people out there that have had a difficult relationship with their parent that's passed and you know mental illness is also prevalent now as well and I think like I said before about romanticizing a parent there will be other people that have had a really difficult relationship with them and it's not always easy to think about the happy times after they've passed but you actually have another layer of grief to work through as well
2: yeah I was lucky um she had called and like out of nowhere like apologized to me when i was in i maybe my first or second year of graduate school it's funny like i can remember exactly where i was when the phone call happened mm-hmm. um but i don't remember if it was the the year um yeah that's i think kind of rare it's really hard for people myself included to say like i did something really wrong and it was also like specific she like knew exactly what she had done that had upset me and you know, it wasn't sort of like, I know you're mad at me, but I don't know why. Um, mm. you know, she had really like taken a lot of time to talk with her therapist and like apologize to me. And that made a lot of difference. Um, yeah. and it was still really difficult. And there was still some times where she would call me and just be kind of terrible. And I, I was also like older and, um, part of uh, my job is, um, like psychosocial counseling. And I'm, I'm not like, it's different than being like a, a, therapist that you would go and see, but like, we do learn kind of like how to help people in the short term and how to Mm. help people that are kind of like dealing with, you know, difficult emotions and how to calm them down a little bit and and kind of think through things. So there were times where, you know, as an older person who had this skill set as part of my job, where I would switch and be like, okay, right now, I'm not your daughter. and I'm going to treat you kind of like you're a belligerent patient that I still need yeah. to like, respect and help through this time. Um, yeah. And I, I had no idea that going into my profession that it was actually going to make my relationship with my mom a little bit easier. And that was before, you know, it was different when I started working in cancer and she would have all of mm. these questions that I could kind of reiterate or re-explain information that her doctors had given her. But even before things got like cancer specific, I kind of knew how to switch and be like, okay, you know, I'm not going to let this upset me. I'm going to yeah. just kind of pretend that you're a person who needs my help right now, and, and, and kind of that's forget. an amazing talent <laughs> <chance> to <I> have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky that things lined up the way that they did for, for yeah. me to be.
0: Yeah. Uh, so like with regards to your job and like you know the time between your mum being diagnosed and then obviously passing like how did you go about keeping your personal experience with cancer separate from your working life and then also actually having a life outside of that that wasn't to do with cancer and work you know (laughs) like actually enjoying life at the same time
2: right um so one thing that was a little bit easy in the beginning was that when I worked at Michigan Medicine, there were two different cancer genetics clinics. There was the breast ovary clinic, and then there was the kind of everything else clinic that was mostly colon and endocrine conditions, um, but but really a catch-all for everything else. And I worked in that clinic, um, so it was a little bit easier because I didn't have to see a lot of women with ovarian cancer themselves. So it enabled me to kind of build up, like talking to people with cancer in general. And then when I moved to my current job, I it's kind of flip flopped. Where there in my current job, there's a breast, ovary, and everything, but gastrointestinal clinic, and I work in that. And then there's a separate gastrointestinal clinic. So now I do see many, many women with ovarian cancer. Um, right after my mom passed away, I, I did request. For a couple of months, not to have any of those women scheduled with me. But now. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, in a way, I had this cushion of a year where it wasn't something I didn't have to deal with a person where their situation mirrored my own directly most of the time. Um, and I would always call my mom on my drive home from work. So, it was sort of like. It, in a way it was easier to go from like, okay, I'm talking about cancer at work. I'm talking about cancer with my mom and mm. we'll like transition. We didn't always talk about it, but especially in the beginning, it was a lot, you know, she had so many questions and she, yeah, was getting, of course. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, I, I'm not, it would have been harder in a way to like take a break and then have to have that conversation again later in the day. But I kind of yeah. put it off other um, it was like
0: part of your working day kind of like adding like an extra hour bit. to your day
2: <laughs> yeah yeah like not that I treated my she was you know my mom and I talked to her in a very different way yeah to of course to my patients but it was a little bit easier to just be like okay this is the whole of my day where I'm going to be talking about cancer in some capacity mm-hmm. and deal with other types of emotions and I guess like one thing that made it easier for me is that um I I really love my job. Like whenever people talk to me about it, one of the things that I say is that I really love how often I get to give people good news. Um, um, it's only about five to ten percent of the time. In general, it, it varies a little bit for certain cancer types, um, like yeah. ovarian. But across the board, it's only about five to ten percent of the time that there is a hereditary cause or a genetic mutation that explains why a person's cancer developed. So 90 to 95% of the time, if I'm talking to a person who has had a cancer diagnosis or someone where, you know, they're unaffected, but their family member has had cancer, I'm able to tell them, you know, we didn't find a genetic cause for you. Perhaps you're still eligible to start some extra screening, but, you know, we're not as concerned as if we found a genetic mutation. So I felt like I was doing, and I still feel like I'm doing a lot of good in my job. And I, giving people hope. Right, right. Um, even when we do find a genetic cause, there are there are exceptions to this. We're not good at detecting and preventing every single type of cancer, but there are a lot of different screening and prevention measures. So even when I have to give people kind of quote unquote bad news, a lot of times there is an implication to how we can use that to help them or their family. Um, mm. I have so much admiration for people like medical oncologists and surgical oncologists who meet with patients over a number of years and, you know, see what happens to them. Cause my, I usually interact with people to meet them in person and then to give them their test result over the phone. And I don't follow them long-term most of the time. Um, Cause I think that would be hard and having to give people, you know, bad news about recurrences and things like that. That's more than I could personally handle. Yeah. So the nature of my job where it's sort of short-term interactions, mostly good news or news we can use Um, that made it easier for me than if I had had to be a person who was constantly being the first one to say, you have this cancer diagnosis or your cancers come back. Um, so collectively, uh, that was kind of, those were some things that just happened to be coincidences that helped me. Um, when I moved back to Pittsburgh, it was a little bit easier because she was, Closer, and I had a lot of friends here, um, and I had actually never wanted to move back to Pennsylvania, but I'm I'm glad I did. When I called her and, and told her that I was moving back, she like started crying, and she said, "Will Aww. you call me again in an hour and tell me again so that I know this is real? <laughs> I didn't
0: Aww. like dream it up." Yeah, that's so lovely. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? So kind of obviously talk about the people that obviously you had around you and stuff then when you were back in Philadelphia um after your mum died who was it that you found kind of gave you the most support or that you could lean on the most like were you able you know were you supported
2: (laughs) during that time? I was people were just wonderful in ways that I never imagined so there were um, a couple of friends from college, like Brandon that I had mentioned that reached out and said, like, you know, my parent passed away. There was another woman named Laura who had been a, a friend from college whose mom had passed away suddenly. Um, and I had a friend from high school named Ben, whose dad had passed and his, my, um, my mom was actually friends with Ben's parents. And he sent me like mm. a really lovely card with actually like, um, it was the funniest thing I got. Um, it was a, a liquor store gift card that said, "I sent you this because it'll last longer than flowers." <laughs> and I think oh, it. I love that. <laughs> um, I have a friend named Brittany who is just absolutely wonderful. She lives in California, and you know we have this kind of like long distance friendship at this point. But she spent so much time and care. She she actually told me recently that. Um, she's like, I didn't know how to talk to you. I I was so worried I would say the wrong thing. Um, and she actually started like following all of these like grief Instagram accounts that she had seen me oh. subscribe to, and you know like just did all this like research about the right things to say. And oh, that's she, amazing. Uh, she bought a uh, a memorial tree for my mom in the Monongahela oh. forest. Yeah, which was so nice to have just to have a living memorial. Um, yeah and i had no idea until recently how worried she had been about doing the wrong thing because everything she did was so like thoughtful and wonderful and perfect um and she's oh, also a so lovely who, I know, she, and she you know i i love the people that still like bring it up or the people that just mm. say something like if you start talking There's about it
0: anything like, say something <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, mean, I understand where people are coming from, but if you like mention something about it, like they get this just deer in the headlights look, and you can tell that they want to change mm. the topics. But like the people that just listen or ask, or yes. if you say something about your parents, if they follow up with questions, you know, yes, that's, yeah, that's all been amazing. So I, I feel like I had a lot of wonderful support. There's, there's one other person I want to mention before I forget. So my husband, um, Maybe there's two other things. I just, I appreciate all these people so much, and I just kind of want to give them a shout out. No, go Um, for it. Absolutely. my husband is it's,
0: a, it's nice sorry just to introduce you quickly it's nice to hear that you were supported and you had people that cared about you because oh, yeah. there are times when I, when I ask this question and people are like you know what I felt really alone so it's really nice to actually hear
2: something positive positive. <laughs> and I, I felt like the the number of people who had lost a parent the number of people who had never lost a parent was like roughly equivalent um, wow yeah but my husband is in law school and he has a friend named Emily and she and her husband we had started like you know, we had just started sort of being like, oh, you're friends that we have dinner with, um, before all the lockdowns happened. Um, Mm. so Emily's husband is named Anthony and we had just, you know, I weren't like terribly like close, close acquaintances yet, but, and hadn't seen each other in a while because like my mom died weeks before the lockdowns happened. Um, and Anthony sent me, um, a Kate Bush CD, And with, like, a note that sort of explained, like, one of the songs on here is about her experience of losing her mom. It was called Coral Room. Um, And he also was kind of, like, nervous, like, I didn't know if this would upset you. I didn't know if it would help, but I wanted to reach out to you. And just, like, the thought and care that this, like, fairly new friend had put into something. Um, The other thing that I can think of is that um, I'm actually very close with um my ex-boyfriend from college. He's named Adam. And oh, wow. I uh he sent me a link to um a, there there's a, a group of podcasts made by um the McElroy family. I'm not sure if that's something that you would have heard of. I've they're no, like I've, very, I've never heard of that. They're very big in America. They have like this whole like empire of different podcasts that they do. Um oh, okay. one of them is a, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called the adventure zone. That's um, it's delightful, but uh, (laughs) they actually, I had no idea. I'd been listening to all of these podcasts that they do for a while. And he knew that um, their mother had passed away when they were all like at the beginning of college. And he like found this link to part of an interview where they talked about their mom passing away and how it had influenced um, like some of the like storylines that they did in the adventure zone and, how it had oh, like okay. colored the things that we did and just like I I sought out the, the dead parent club podcast and things like that like media created by people who had lost a parent because mm. I wanted examples of like this person went through this and not only were they okay but look at this beautiful thing that they created as a result yes. of their grief and that yeah. was another wonderful thing so there there were all of these like sources of support that people brought to me but then a lot of it was like you know here's like music that you can listen to or like here are these people that um went through a similar experience to you and listening to that even if they're not actively talking about their parent the whole time I just feel kind of like a, a kinship <laughs> with them yeah so. like, like you're
0: close to them like yeah I completely get that completely get yeah that. I mean yeah. I love that you listen to the podcast um <laughs> like even like before your mum died I just think that's so, I sound silly saying this, but that's so proactive and efficient of you <laughs> to like yeah. be, be preparing yourself for it. I
2: mean, I had started, I, I honestly, I had no idea. No one referred me to this. I had just like started Googling. Like I I am very much a podcast person, um, mm. like constant. I mean, they're great, person. aren't they? So. <laughs> yeah. um, so I like just kind of, I think just typed in dead parent to my podcatcher app and this was the best one that came up um I actually have kind of a funny story oh my gosh so I, I listened to the first episodes of you and um Sam your your co-host oh, in oh yeah and there was one episode maybe the very first one I listened to where Sam was talking about her father being in hospice and about how yeah. he had actually escaped yeah <laughs> <and> <laughs> went to a different hospital um and that was I mean, it was, there were a lot of moments when my mom was in hospice for three weeks and there were, I was with her every day. My coworkers were like wonderful. And they just sort of said, go, go be with her. We'll take care of your patients. Don't worry about it. Oh, amazing. And there were so, there were so many moments there that were horrible and so many moments that were funny. And like, just knowing that it was okay to talk about the moments that were funny helped Mm. a lot. Although I actually, there was one nurse that um, was kind of my favorite nurse, and I kind of misjudged her sense of humor because I tried to tell her that I had been listening to this podcast and I mentioned that story about um, Sam's father, and she was just like not amused by it. At all. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but but
0: I'm I still it me. Well, as long as you were, that's the important thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, but. I also had, um. there's a nurse that I work with. We do telemedicine where um, even before coronavirus, we had certain sites in r- rural parts of Pennsylvania where um, we would do like kind of a secure Skype session and there's a nurse on the other end that helps us. Um, and the nurse that helps us in um, Erie, Pennsylvania is named Andrea. And she actually like called me and basically like kind of walked me through what to expect because she had been a hospice nurse in the past. Um, And also lost her mother. I don't lead to cancer, but to something like failure. Um, and having a person who was willing to, she was very kind about it. She was like, are you ready to know like what to expect? Like physically, like what's going to happen to her. And she Mm -hmm. sent me this kind of like nice table that summarized, you know, this is what's going to happen um oh. yeah, yeah so that was helpful too she is a friend now as well as a co-worker I should have mentioned her earlier but
0: um there really isn't enough out there to prepare you for it so I think something like that that's actually really honest and like brutally honest is probably <laughs> really useful because like the our only experience of death is what we see on the telly or in films and it's always so peaceful and oh nice gosh, yeah. and everyone's always just so Like, I don't know. And then when it actually happens to you, you're like, this is a horrible, like just horrible process that just completely dehumanizes the person that's passing. Like, awful.
2: I forgive me because I can't remember if this was in your interview or in Sam's, but one of the two of you said something about how when your parent gets so weak, that talking for them is hard, that, that one, one of you had spoken, parent and said like I'm sorry I'm not talking they said no it's okay it's really nice to just be quiet with you yeah yeah um and that helped me there were just whole days toward the end where I would just like hold her hand and for hours and just not say anything and, and knowing that someone else had been through that and that that was okay um yeah. was really helpful so I kind of had the dead parent club to help me out emotionally and then um my nurse co-worker friend Andrea to help me prepare like oh that is amazing physically
0: yeah so obviously your loss is like is really recent you know like february it was february isn't it Mm -hmm. um it's not long ago at all so like how have the past few months been for you and um i know Mm -hmm. i originally asked you in the questions like you know what's the biggest thing you've learned and stuff and you know it hasn't been a long time but like do you feel like your grief journey has already changed you quite a lot as a person do you feel like do you feel yourself changing or anything in particular that stood out to you so far
2: one thing that like is very difficult to um think about is like what would my grief process have been like without covid um Mm. (laughs) because I I think it would have been very different if I had lost my mom and the world was normal versus I lost my mom and And the world was chaos (laughs) yes Oh, so in, on one hand, I mean, um, I think that it made my grief process a little bit easier. Obviously no one is grateful that COVID happened. It's been horrible on so many scales, but, um, my mom would have been, if she had to go, she picked a good time to go. And and when I, as part of my grief journey, I've tried to, I've tried to think like I knew she, I was going to lose her. And, you know, just to try and find like positive things, like she didn't have to experience this at all. She would have Mm. been so scared. She would have had to go in and have chemo in a hospital. And, um, I actually knew another friend from college whose mom was diagnosed with liver cancer, um, and, and passed away very rapidly during the time that the lockdowns were happening and she didn't get to spend time with her in hospice. And I think the fact that I got to be with my mom and we could we could have a funeral, and yeah, you know, and she loved being outside. She went to the pool pretty much every single day, like, even after she had the heart infection, she had a, a pick line, um, into her arm and a little, like, um, like fanny pack that had her medication and it would just dose into her arm. She still went to the pool every day. She would have hated oh, really? having to be inside, you know, cooped
0: up. It's not um, a way to spend your last months alive, yeah.
2: is it? I mean, yeah, and I. I think that the fact that everyone lost so much in terms of social interaction and for some people losing their relatives and and job opportunities and things like that, like it gave me a lens to see that there were some ways in which I could be grateful that I lost my mom when I did rather than even a few weeks later. Um, And just to know that she would have suffered so much more if I if she had had to go through this. And also, as a funny aside, <laughs> I have no idea why she had all of these weird stashes of stuff that we found after she passed away. Like she had like 14 <laughs> things of dental floss, but also she had this <laughs> whole box full of tiny things of Purell. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> during time when Purell was liquid. Oh, she was pre-preparing. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, it's hard to, to answer. I mean, it was, I think that in, in a couple of ways, like uh, I haven't yet had to talk with any patients about my mom since she passed away. And I I almost never did even when she was alive, because I want the session to be about them and not about me. Mm. But there were times where I would self-disclose my mom's history if I thought it would help them like if my mom was doing really well and I had a woman with a new diagnosis who was really struggling I would talk to her a little bit about my mom and say like you know it's been like two and a half years or so and she felt very much like you at the beginning um but she's doing okay now and I don't I can't do that anymore um and the loss of being able to use that to help my patients is
0: yeah
2: a, a small thing but it's not really the same saying, say, no, yeah, my mom had this. And then <laughs> it, it gave me a little bit of a perspective on my job in a way. Like if, if there's something that I've learned from my grief, like not that I had gotten into a routine where I like saw my patients as routine, but um, anytime I see a person, I draw out their pedigree a, a family tree where, you know, we use different symbols and circles of women and squares are men and things like that. And I, I had this kind of renewed perspective after I lost my mom where I would be like drawing out these things for my patients. And it would, you know, we draw a diagonal line through someone once they passed away. And it just made me feel differently about, you know, talking to people and drawing out their relatives and then drawing the line through them that Mm. they had passed. That was a real person. And and this person meant every bit as much to my patient as my mom meant to me. And just having that kind of like jumpstart. So I, I, I'm, a very empathetic person but it kind of like re-kick-started my empathy yeah and um that was a, a good thing that came from it and you know appreciating my dad more I think like the parent that you still have and
0: one of the things how, that how I, has that been for you that relationship with with your dad um,
2: my dad and I have always been like fairly close he is a very um he's a man of his generation. He's a very like stoic born in the 1950s American dad, you know, like doesn't really talk about emotions a lot. Um, but you know, he and I, we kind of took shifts when she was in hospice and in a way it was really nice to see my dad that much, but the reason that we were seeing each other so much was not a good one. Uh, so it's just, it's, good to like check in with him and you know talk about my mom and and he'll like bring things up about her that I didn't know like she was such a funny person (laughs) if I I really should have led with that about her she was so funny (laughs) (laughs) my dad was um uh I went to go like you know visit him masks on and everything a while ago and he was driving me to show me a house that my brother had just bought And we drove past this, um, like, wreckage yard where they would take, like, cars and, like, compact them down into little metal cubes. Mm. And I never knew this, but he told me that one of my mom's favorite things for them to do would be that they would would drive down to this wreckage yard. Just watch it. (laughs) That was, like, her favorite activity. And she would always, like, do, like, commentary on it and be like, ooh, oh, did you see how small they got that? (laughs) and I, oh. I have told me that kind of thing while she was alive about like the little things that they did while they were alone. And he certainly oh, doesn't know yeah. how much that means to me. But um, or like he told me all kinds of things about like when they first met. Um so like that's been that's been nice to like know that he's willing to talk about it and that yeah. he's like kind of filling gaps and stuff. Um yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I've just got one more question for you which is kind of like as we talked about before you know you mentioned that due to your mum's mental illness it kind of felt like you had an extra layer of grief and stuff to work through Mm -hmm. so what would you say to other people who are grieving the loss of a parent and they may have had like a difficult relationship with them possibly due to a mental illness or just you know that Mm -hmm. kind of it's not always roses and pestles (laughs)
2: right um one So I think there's kind of two things that I want to mention related to that. When my mom died and I did this sort of like obligatory like social media post with old pictures and whatnot, I said like people keep asking me what they can do. And like what I really want you to do more than anything is to call your parents and tell them that you love them. If your parents are living, both of them are one, just appreciate them. And if you have a parent who has hurt you really badly in the past or that you have had a difficult relationship with, try and repair it it's a lot better if they reach out to you if they're the person who hurt you and they reach out to you but you know i would hope that you're not going to regret trying at the very least Mm -hmm. and there's also a, a fine line to walk between um trying to repair a relationship with a parent and trying to be there for them even if they struggle a lot and are sometimes really difficult and not letting them use or abuse you and I was lucky in that my mom had a really wonderful therapist and really wanted to be a better person. And, you know, she knew there were things about her that she could never fix, but she wanted to try. Um, and not everyone is like that. And if you have a parent where hurt trying to help them is going to hurt you, then, you know, you matter too. You don't have to sacrifice your own mental health in order to help your parent, but mm-hmm. there balance and there are times where you know one thing that I that I thought about a lot was that sometimes it was very difficult for me to be strong and to be a support system for her and to have to listen to some of the like frankly like angry or crazy things that she would say when she was going through a really bad spell but I would tell myself like she only has a short amount of time left and then that's it that's all the time she has and there's this short amount of time where it's difficult to be strong and difficult to tolerate some of this behavior, but it matters to be strong right now and then you can kind of fall to pieces later, you know, but all that matters is that you can do this right now. Um, I also have a therapist. I think that it, it really helps to have an objective person that you can talk to about the difficult yeah. people in your life. <laughs> makes yeah. Cause that will be some. <laughs> yeah yeah um there's um the the other kind of mindset that i that kind of helped to fortify me in dealing with more difficult times was um (laughs) i'll admit there's there's a movie called the lion in winter which is about um i believe it's like king henry ii and his there's a scene where his sons are down in a dungeon and they think that he's coming to kill them. And I will admit that I'm not classy enough to watch this movie. I only know about it because it's quoted in um, an American TV show called The West Wing. Um, But apparently there's this scene where the brothers are talking to each other and one of them says like you know, why are you trying to be brave right now? Like you fool, like as if it matters the the way that a man falls down and the other brother says um, when the fall is all that's left, it matters a great deal. And I knew from the time that my mom was diagnosed that her fall had begun, but that it mattered a great deal how I Mm. behaved and that I could be a a mature person for her Mm. during that time. Um, and that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't regret it if I had managed to be strong for her, um, you know, that I could look back on that and feel, proud. And she actually wrote me this really wonderful letter for my birthday one year. Um, and she ended it with, um, I appreciate all of your patience with me. Thank you for being my daughter. And oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was validation too, you know, that even though th- there were some times where, you know, that was just the phone calls and, and visits with her where she was really upset. We're like, not the highlights of my day, but I felt like it, it was validation that it, it meant a lot to her and that she felt supported and, and loved. Um Yeah. So I, yeah. Oh, um, and, and I, I don't think that experience is going to be possible for everybody, Um, but it is, it is possible. And I, I don't, I don't regret it. And I hope that it translates into other things moving forward in my life. There are, you know there are other times hopefully less um traumatic or, or big life events times but i feel like if you can learn to be strong during those moments hopefully those skills will trickle down into all of the lesser uh <laughs> difficulties that a person has in life
0: yeah so true definitely
2: yeah
0: Oh well, thank you so much, Shannon. Um, oh, I really, really appreciate you coming on and telling your story, and you for speaking so well. Um, it's been a pleasure to hear about your mum and all the <laughs> the funny things that <laughs> she did as well. Um, yeah, it was really nice. So, mm-hmm.
2: thank you. Thank you, Catherine. I'm I'm really grateful to get to talk with you. Um, and you're doing a wonderful thing with the podcast. I, I'm sure that everyone tells you that, but you're really putting a lot of positivity and, and good out into the world, and I hope that you're proud of, of all of that.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the DePrankwell Podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto to the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at GPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well, if coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening, and we'll see you next week.